This is Valley Views, our weekly conversation with influential and interesting folks from around the Wet Mountain Valley. Today on Valley Views, we're visiting with Mark and Lynn Preble. They're Valley residents for 16 years. Quite the adventurers, as most of you know. Mark and Lynn have recently completed the Great Loop, which we'll find more about as that is the topic today. Mark and Lynn, thanks for coming by today. You're well, thanks. welcome. Glad to be here. Now, under full disclosure, we are neighbors, and uh, as a neighbor, I notice you guys are never there. <laughs> you're always you're always on the road. Lynn, you in particular, over the years, have had quite a few adventures. Uh, not only have you climbed the 14ers, you've climbed the 13ers, which is a huge thing. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that works. Well, that was another explore. There's 637 mountains over 13,000 feet in Colorado, and it took me 20 years to do it. And there's no trails up, most of them. So you look at a map and figure out your route, and hopefully it works. If it works great, if it doesn't, you try it again later. Now, you folks are well-known for being gone for months at a time, but this, uh, the Great Loop was a different sort of beast. Tell folks what that is. Well, it's a, it's a boat trip, and it covers about 6,000 miles, and you can do it all uh, without being uh, on land through a series of rivers, canals, and the uh, ocean. So uh, it took us about a year to do it, which is fairly typical. You can do it in as little as six months, or some people take several years. For the folks out there in Radio Land, paint us a map in their mind. We started in, we bought our boat, which was a 34-foot main ship, uh, Happy Wanderer, and in New Smyrna Beach, Florida, and that's on the east coast of Florida. And we spent a month working on it and then started up the east coast along the intercoastal waterway. Most of it, very protected waters, except when we got up to New Jersey, it, we went outside in the ocean to New York City, mm-hmm. and past the Statue of Liberty, and up the Hudson River to the St. Lawrence Seaway, and up the St. Lawrence to Lake Ontario, and then to the Ottawa River, and then there's several canals in there, the Rideau Canal and the Trent Severn Canal that connects you up to Georgian Bay and the mm-hmm. North Channel of Huron, then you're in the Great Lakes, and down to Lake Michigan, to Chicago, down the river systems, down to Mobile, Alabama, and then cross the Panhandle, across the Gulf of Mexico, and then circle back around through Florida and back to the East Coast. And then we put a tail on the loop, and we went to the Bahamas also. Just because you hadn't been on the boat quite long enough. (laughs) Exactly. I can picture it. So uh, my old stomping grounds, when I was a deckhand on the lake freighters on the Great Lakes, took me through... Uh, Sault Ste. Marie, the Sioux Locks, mm-hmm. which that was one of the main things. And you you got very close to there, it looks like. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we did. The biggest locks I think we did were on, th- some of the Mississippi locks were really big, but also on the St. Lawrence Seaway because you have the huge freighters that are coming through. Now, Mark, you said it was 6,000 miles, which is a huge amount. What kind of time are we talking about? And did you do it in one fell swoop or did do you take a break every now and then? Well, we came home a couple of times for a couple of weeks, 
but we mostly just did it uh, at six miles an hour. So 6,000 miles at six miles an hour is uh, quite a few hours. <laughs> it's a, it's a whole new definition to slow travel. <laughs> you said the, the vessel you were on was uh, 34 feet, I think. Uh, describe what the what this looks like for people. You know what what kind of space you have and what sort of supplies uh, you have. Okay, we had well, it was a trawler, so it wasn't a sailboat because we did 153 locks. You'd have to have your mast down for the locks, and that gets a little like a lance. <laughs> anyway, it's hard to do. So we figured we'd get a powerboat. It had a rail around all of it because we were a little worried about falling overboard mm-hmm. and particularly going through some of the locks because you have to line handle through those. And it had a flybridge, which we really liked. So we had an upper helm and a lower helm. And then other than that, it, was, it had a sleeping berth and then it had an extra a couch that we could have other people sleep and a galley, which is where we cooked, and a head and a shower. That's- and it had below that course was the engine area which had a big diesel engine in it and uh, luckily it kept running the whole time so that was great (laughs) it was a single engine and we were a little worried going over to the Bahamas because if you're running with a single engine and your engine quits you're really in a you're you're floating out in the ocean exactly (laughs) but it it was really nice it just kept chugging along so what about supplies food and all how often do you need to replenish? Most of the time, we could we go sometimes about a week at a time, I'd say. But usually we'd hit a marina every three or four days, mm-hmm. and sometimes we'd stay three or four days, depending on the weather. And uh, it wasn't that hard to get supplies mm-hmm. anywhere along this. Mm-hmm. If you were anchored, you'd have we had to have enough food that we could last a while if we were anchored and couldn't get out Mm -hmm. and and it was fine how long did the whole trip take in terms of months we we finished almost exactly a year after we started but you can do it a lot quicker we met a lady who did it by herself and uh, she did it in six months because she didn't have anybody with her and she got kind of lonely but i think a year's a nice time to to budget on it because that gives you plenty of time to explore the places that you end up. And when you started off, I imagine you looked at the calendar. There are certain times that you want to be north and south. Uh, I mean, that would make sense. Well, yeah, you pretty much are dependent upon the seasons. You have to go up the coast pretty much in the spring and through Canada, which actually was our favorite part of the whole trip in the summer and then they have a real short boating season up there then come down the rivers in the fall but a lot of people couldn't uh, pass through mobile until after the hurricane season because of their Mm. insurance Mm. and then winter down in the florida area somewhere it's pretty typical so every day you went along at six Miles an hour or six Actually, knots? I think it was uh, six knots, six, about seven miles an hour. And then at night you'd uh, anchor someplace and for the evening? Mm-hmm. I'd usually put a, I'd have a plan, and I'd usually have plan A, B, C, and then sometimes we ended up with E or F or G <laughs> as far as, because it depended on weather, uh, dependent on tides, 
was another thing that was important because the tide could really assist you. So, and you tried to get, I think our average was probably around 50 miles, but sometimes if you're in a very interesting place, like on the Rideau Canal, we did two locks and went two miles, and I said, I want to stay here. (laughs) So on the canals, you just stake out, you just tie up Mm -hmm. to the walls, and you could stay there overnight. So that was kind of Kind of like in Europe, the canal boats. exactly uh, like in Europe. So tell us about a few of the best places you saw. Like, oh, this is like really cool. Well, like I said, Canada was was great. Uh, We liked the Georgian Bay and and those canal systems were built like 150 years ago. Mm -hmm. And they're still working great. And they hire these college kids to uh, run the locks and they're all friendly. And so that was was really a, a great part of the trip. I like both Canada and the Bahamas, but I really like the fact that on our on our boat, we had a flybridge, so we had two foldable bikes on the flybridge. So if we were at a marina, we could take the bikes off and ride. And then if and then we had our two kayaks on the swim platform. So when we would pull up anchor, we'd flip off our kayaks and go paddling most evenings I did. Mm-hmm. And every morning I'd just head out. Um so I think probably the Georgian Bay, again, Georgian Bay in the North Channel of Huron, because those are fjords up there, mm-hmm. and you could anchor, and then you could paddle to islands, and then explore that, you know, get out and scramble a little bit on the mm-hmm. rocks and explore. But it was just beautiful up there. I know when I was on the lake freighters, the North Shore of Lake Superior was, uh, it, it was pretty wild back then, because mm-hmm. that was quite a few years ago. But it was it was beautiful up there. Canada Canada does have its uh, have its charm. <laughs> what were the biggest surprises from what you expected? You go into a trip like this, and you you're kind of anticipating something. There must have been things that you thought, "Oh, I never would have guessed this." Well, luckily, uh, we went to some seminars before we started uh, planning seminars, and there are really good books out there. Uh, this one lady we met wrote a book called uh, Crossing My Wake, and another one was uh, Honey, Let's Buy a Boat. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of resources out there. And then we went to the America Great Loop Association seminars, and they tell you kind of what to expect along the way. So there is a, there's a lot of support out there. Mm-hmm. And as you were doing this trip over the course of a year, I suspect there were times when weather sent you hiding or cause some issues what give us a give us an example well you just stay put we were on lake michigan and actually lake michigan was the only place that was so rough that the table and chairs both everything went Mm. everything was on the floor in the cabin (laughs) and then we were there like another three nights and you just you just have to wait it out I mean, so you find bike trails to do, or if it's raining, a lot of times we get together with other people. Mm. Like in the Bahamas, it was storming, actually a little bit more than normal, I guess. And we get together on somebody's boat and put together a pizza party. Everybody brought something and, mm-hmm. and you know, play games or you just hunker down. You don't try to go out in the, mm-hmm. and that's the, actually that's what they said was, the biggest mistake you can have is to have a schedule because 
you can't depend on the weather and you you just have to go with the conditions. But that's similar to mountain climbing too because you just don't push it if the weather's not right mm-hmm. and there's always another day. Or if, if you have sort of unlimited time, you can spend an extra day or two because this is just a, a good place to be. Exactly. Uh, was there ever a time when somebody helped you out? Like you were in a jam and they, they bailed you out. Oh. Or vice versa, you bailed somebody out. Oh, one, <laughs> there was a little sailboat stuck uh, aground. Everybody, they say, if you're on a boat, if you say you've never been aground, you're lying. So <laughs> we went aground about three times, but we always got off. But there was a sailboat, and, and he's sitting there. And usually when we met somebody, we'd call him on the radio and say, would you like us to slow down so our wake doesn't bother you? He said, no, speed up. <laughs> he, <laughs> he says, wanted the, the, the wake to knock him off of the, the sandbar, and it worked. He so. says, wake me. I'm like, you're kidding. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. <laughs> what about uh, returning to the wet mountain valley was uh, particularly nice after a, long tr- uh, after a long boat ride? Yeah, Being in a real house is, with all the room is real, real nice. And then, of course, the scenery here. Everybody kept bragging about the scenery on the loop. Well, there's nothing that really compares with where we live. <laughs> so that was that was great to be back. You guys were on a 34-foot boat for the better part of a year. Year and a half. So total. did that ever? Uh, did the walls ever close in on you? That it seems like uh, claustrophobia might uh, be there. Did you ever need to get away from each other? Well, we did have a flybridge, <laughs> so one person could be on the below and one person could be up top. But no, I really it, it we're pretty non-confrontational people, so <laughs> we got along pretty well, actually. If you get along for that length of time in that kind of space, uh, that that tells you something. So uh, yeah, it took yeah. a lot of teamwork mm-hmm. because you'd have Mark would do the engine maintenance and change the oil five times. Which was like yep. five gallons at a time of oil. That's a lot. And then, and I navigated, and both of us were at the helm. And like our longest day was 27 hours. So it was through the night across the Gulf of Mexico. And we would just take turns. So it was mm-hmm. a teamwork thing. You know, we'd each be at the helm maybe two hours, and the other person would take a nap and then switch roles. Well, that's quite the adventures. Uh, We're running short of time, but uh, we've been talking with uh, Mark and Lynn Preble, who have uh, completed the Great Loop, 6,000 miles. What's what's next on your schedule? It's hard to compete with that. (laughs) Actually, a friend of ours in the valley, Toby, he stayed on our boat while they were looking for a sailboat, and they're going to be going to the southern Bahamas in the Exumas this winter, and we're going to go crew. Mark and Lynn, thanks for visiting on Valley Views. Well, thanks for having us. Enjoyed visiting. My name's Gary. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Valley Views on KLZR 91.7 FM. Valley Views airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. and again on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Send your ideas and comments to comments at klzr.org. Valley Views is produced by the volunteers of KLZR 91.7 FM. I'm walking on a rainbow with my feet on solid ground. 